Does negative feedback benefit or harm creativity? Hello, listeners, and welcome to Squeezing the Orange of Social Science, a podcast hosted by myself, Akin Omobitan, and Professor Dan Cable. On each episode, the two of us pick apart peer-reviewed and published social science papers, and we squeeze them for their best bits so that you, the lovely listeners, don't have to sift through pages and pages and even more pages. You'd be surprised how many pages there are of academic literature. What's up, Dan? How are you doing, Akin? I'm feeling creative today. Nice. Yeah, man. Let's let's see how creative as well. What, what, what have we got for the peeps, man? What have we, what have we well, got for them today? I really like it. I think this title kind of sums it up. This whole idea of do you wake people up with some negative feedback? So they're like, oh shit, I got to work harder. Let me get more creative. Or do you put them in this despair? So like, oh shit, I want to be creative, but I can't. And I think that question is right on the top of the table today. It's dope as well, because I was reading the uh, the intro uh, from the, the authors. Oh, shit. Let's, uh, oh, wait. You usually do the swearing, not me. I can, uh, <laughs> it's a swear fest. <laughs> but yeah, the authors are Yoon Joon Kim and uh, Joon Ha Kim. Look, man, I'm not even going to apologize for the pronunciations. I haven't met them. I, I, could, I could have nailed it. Who and knows? also maybe did great. <laughs> they, exactly. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, does negative feedback benefit or harm recipient creativity? The role, of di- the role of direction of feedback flow. So what I did love actually is what they were doing here was trying to tidy. They were trying to tidy yep. some, some science up. It's a bit like we're kind of getting like mixed messages on this topic. Some people think it, it benefits, some people think it harms. But what they noticed is that there were certain uh, avenues that had not been explored, which could explain why uh, different researchers were coming to different conclusions. Um, so yeah, before we jump into the hypothesis, uh, well, uh, to both of them, uh, was there anything else that you wanted to kind of like throw yeah. in, Dan, to, let, to lay down some groundwork? There's a top-level thing that I am thrilled to bring up, actually. Um, There is an idea out there, it was really prevalent in the 90s, where you wanted to be critical and negative and not be overly optimistic and positive. Mm. I I think it has something to do with psychologists' worry that it's kind of mamby pamby and so we cut the other way and act real critical and like no one's going to get over anything on us because we're seeing everything and you know being very negative is the way to get people better and if you want people to improve you got to make them feel bad if you want people to get better at creativity you make them feel really bad about their creativity and it was a way of like acting tough i think and i know about this stuff because as i became increasingly interested in positive psychology there's actually like some backlash that it's just too nice. Like it can't work. You can't just tell people like, oh, you're doing great. And then the other thing. So I think that what's out there is a way of thinking about negative feedback that, oh yeah, that's what's going to work. But then these authors went through the whole literature and there's only three studies ever that has suggested that it works. And most of the studies say, no, no, it actually hurts. It hurts a lot. Uh, and that's, that tension is what is so cool about this paper for me. And that also echoes the, the negativity bias. Like, because at least from what I understand about the negativity bias is you could have like someone tell you like, you know, 10 
positive things about you, uh, but like the one negative thing you'll, you'll latch onto. And it kind of sounds like we've done something similar socially. Where at we, the field we, level. Yeah, at the field yeah. level, which yeah. makes total sense because yeah. if this is how we look at ourselves, it does make sense that we would kind of look at each other like that. And then you just amplify that to then just say, okay, then what does that mean for a, for a society? And it sounds like we're a bit like, yeah, we can get people to get a bit more creative by, you know, telling them all of this negative stuff. And what doesn't help as well is quite a lot of like, you know, athletes, rock stars, people in the public eye, when they're telling their story, what, what is interesting in a lot of these stories are the hardships. Like you want to hear about the the rock band that almost like broke up because they couldn't stop fighting mm-hmm. or the athlete who, you know, like a month before having like a big event, maybe their coach left because they just like, I can't work with you. You don't listen. But you never really want to hear <laughs> about the viewing, right? I mean, when everybody's just getting along, right? <laughs> pretty dull right yeah you know it's like oh yeah here's my success story which involved zero hurdles whatsoever so there could be this idea like i imagine for myself watching things like that continuously i would be a bit like oh in order to like achieve or do anything there's got to be like the hardship element so we might feel like uh putting that on others as well to be like i i love you so much that that's why I'm so hard on you. It's kind of like a parental thing to say, like, you know, as they kind of like take the belt off and they're about to like, they're like, this 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 is going to hurt you a lot more than it's going to hurt me. (laughs) And I'm like, nah, dad, 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 dad. No, that's definitely, firstly, dad, you're, you're beating me with the buckle. Uh, (laughs) That's going to leave a mark. That's going to leave a mark. (laughs) Oh God, already off track, already off track. Let's look at. Okay, good. Let's get back to it. Uh, Akin, is it worth highlighting as we go into the processes, you know, kind of the hypotheses, is it worth really highlighting their insight around the direction of the feedback? Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's worth saying something about that right now. Oh, go, go for it. (laughs) Well, I think that they cracked a certain riddle here and I know, um, you know, I don't know if this smells, sounds small to the listeners out there, but it actually is kind of a really big deal because what they're saying is there's not much, but there is some evidence suggesting that feedback often is functional when it's negative. But what they're saying is, but that's when it comes from the bottom toward the top and it might help. You know, it might help that if, if people that don't have a lot of power are giving feedback to people that have a lot of power, hey, that's not really working that well, then maybe that creates a different dynamic than when people at the top give negative feedback to people down below who they have control and power and resources over. And I mean, that insight, I mean, I've never seen that before. So it's actually kind of like a really clean, parsimonious insight. And then that just sets the stage for all the hypotheses in my mind. Oh, totally. So yeah. Uh, so with that as well, like the hypotheses, I, I believe the first one kind of like brought that into play, like this idea yep. of that, the, it did this, how the feedback is received, it's moderated by the direction. So this is what Dan has just kind of like laid out here, just this idea of the direction that it's moving uh, from and to. And so they broke it down into like three areas. So it was, let's say we take the supervisor, the manager, the the head honcho. So you've got like, you know, maybe like a, uh, yeah, you've got like the, the top dog and that top dog is now uh, giving feedback to someone that reports into them. So, and then the person that 
that person gets feedback from, they often give feedback to the person that reports into them. So you can think of it as kind of like, you know, top down, it's going downwards. So they were looking at it in that direction, but then also from peers, from peer to peer. So even if it's the head honcho, they might have like some sort of like peer network with, you know, with which they kind of like collaborate. So at all of these levels, people will have individuals where they're a bit like, okay, we're at kind of like a similar level. Um, and then you also have the, from the bottom up as well. So they were looking at those three different directions. So like kind of like, you know, peer level, but then also from the top to the bottom, but also from the bottom to the top. And they were looking, okay, then what happens to what we could describe as being like, you know, the same feedback, what happens to it depending on who is giving it and the direction that they are giving it to. And like you say, Dan, this is something that they really cracked. And whilst reading the paper, it made immediate sense. Like yep. there's some things, yep. this, is, this is one of the things like um, that really, I love about reading these papers because there's areas where it allows me to really check myself yep. because there's information that we are privy to, which is beneficial to us, but we will not accept it from certain individuals or we won't accept it in a way that is beneficial to us. And part of it might be pride um, and they, they do get into like their, their two big areas as well. So let me not get into it because that does delve into the second hypothesis, which we can have a chat about now. So the first one is this idea that the relationship between negative feedback and, the, and recipient creativity is moderated by the direction of the feedback, the direction that it flows in. So the second thing that they wanted to look at was these two things, which they list as task processes and meta processes. And what we can do then is I'll just say a little bit of what I understand about task processes. And then I'll hand over to yourself regarding this idea of meta processes as well. So for myself, task processes, if I'm given, giving, if I am given feedback regarding something that I've done, so let's disregard where it comes from. If I'm given feedback, what is my propensity to attributing that feedback to the process with which I carry out my work? So how, how technical am I being with it? So regardless of what the feedback is, how, what is my ability to take that and apply it to the creative task that I am filling? And so that it gets very interesting with the meta process. And I'll hand this over to, to yourself, Dan. Yeah. Okay. And I really like where you started there, Akin. And I think it's really important for us to remember that listeners not having read this paper, we need to give them just a little bit more of where you were going there, which is if you have this feedback theory and it's negative feedback, the idea is just as you said, it creates an awareness of a gap between where I am now and some standard. And that gap then causes us to say, oh, I guess I got to work a little harder. Now, the task process is like kind of ways that you can work harder. So like these are like constructive improvements in how we generate better ideas, better strategies, creativity tasks. So it's just like applying yourself more productively. The meta processes are very different because these are psychological states. This isn't about like how I move my arms and legs and how I go about doing my work. This is like, if you give me negative feedback, I might just feel threatened emotionally. And so to the extent that all of a sudden my ego or my self-concept gets threatened by this negative feedback, like, oh, I might not be good enough, then the theory would be this is going to actually deter me from being experimental and being creative and trying new things. And frankly, Akin, playing. It's going to deter me from being playful because I'm going to feel threatened. 
And so this is what's so cool about this study is they're saying that depending on which direction this negative feedback is going, it's either going to invoke task processes, like let me work harder in the day-to-day creativity tasks, or it's going to invoke meta processes, which is like, I feel really threatened and it's shutting down my creativity and play. Super. And I love that tidying up and landing point there as well, because the ideal, ideally, you kind of want everyone getting into that task process. Like that's, unless you're, yeah, ideally, like unless you're really trying to like mess someone's, like you're trying to, and they do dive into this as well in terms of like the the peer feedback and how it kind of gets a bit competitive. Um, But like, unless you're trying to really like hamper someone's flow, ideally what you're trying to do is get them to work at their best, essentially. Uh, but depending on the direction and they don't really get too much into the packaging, but I imagine also how we kind of package our, our feedback, it could, it could have the complete opposite effect, like the complete opposite effect. And I, I do believe that this is why we lie to each other so often. Like, because like, if you have someone who like, if you have someone who works on it, like, let's say you got like a kid. Uh, and, uh, you know, let, <laughs> and let's say that kid like comes home and it's like, you know, here's, here's my drawing. And they didn't tell you what it's a drawing of. <laughs> like, <laughs> so like your question might not be like, yo, Patrick, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, is this a cat? Right. You, but what you might do is just be a bit like, oh, that's lovely. Tell me about it. What was your <laughs> inspiration? <laughs> Because what you're, what you're, what you're, I guess what you're, what you're trying to not do is have that kid feel insecure yeah. about yeah. their capabilities. Yeah. And I use that example like with kids because I noticed that as adults, we, we do something very similar where if someone does ask you, like, okay, honestly, just tell me, what do you think about this fresco? And you first, you're, you're like, that's a fresco? <laughs> <laughs> but like, you don't want to discourage yes. someone's creativity. No, and, no. And, and at the risk of rambling on, I'll say just a bit more. And what's interesting about um, office environments in which I've worked in is, and we'll see this in the, um, in the, the they did like a uh, quasi field uh, study as well. So, but they, they talk about this with organizations, the way that uh, annual reviews and, you know, quarterly reviews or, you know, by whatever, whenever it is that you're, what it's doing is it's forcing individuals to give feedback. It's like you're forcing people to, to write a ring around the number yep. and to write a paragraph and it might not be the best time for it. Um, it, the, the way that forms are set up might not be the best way that you express yourself. It might not, it might not consider the, the relationship that you have with, but anyway, saying all of that, there's a lot about it, which means that what you could end up doing is forcing something, which then gets people into where you don't want them, which is this kind of like meta, uh, meta processing state. So that said, uh, as I, I think I've kind of like purged a bit more about myself than the paper here, Dan. So <laughs> let's, uh, let's, I, I, think, I think we're getting through it. We're personalizing the message. <laughs> Let me personalize the message even a little bit more Go for you. Go for it. Once upon a time, I was hanging out with the CEO of SaaS Industries, which is like this basically a so- private software company in the United States in North Carolina. And I'm sitting there with the CEO. His name is James Goodnight, Jim Goodnight. And he said to me, Dan, let me get this straight. So we do these performance evaluations and all my employees hate them. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, yeah, right. And then the weird thing is all the managers hate them too. 
And I was like, yeah, yeah, I can see. And he goes, okay, so why am I doing them? Like, who are they for? Who, who would just say they're for? <laughs> like, if everybody hates the process. And that actually is when I started really getting into this performance management thing because a lot of times what happens is managers think that they do the most good when they give negative information. Mm. And then it's deeply threatening to employees and it shuts them down. But it's like in this paper, I don't want to go it really in and in and into it. But what happens is managers have all this power over resources like monetary rewards or promotions or training or budgets. And they, they have all these goodies. And because they have power over giving them, the employees act really differently around the, the, the feedback, the negative feedback, than if you flipped it. And again, that's, you know... I guess that's not that much of an insight once you say it out loud, but yep. people, people just weren't thinking of it that way in the literature until this study. So I think that that's what's so powerful and cool about this study. Like they mentioned this one where there were 328 managers and 4,200 followers. And in, these stu- in this study, the managers perceived themselves to be better leaders when they offered more criticism and more negative feedback. So it, it just shows that out there in the world, when we do these real performance evaluations, there's a strong leaning of the managers to be quite negative and critical when this study is going to start to show that that doesn't work because it tends to threaten people. Totally. And yeah, let's, let's take a look at the, uh, the method. So there were, there were two studies. Uh, so they kept themselves pretty busy, which is lovely. So one <laughs> of it was that uh, they went to this uh, organization in, I want to say Korea. Yep. That's uh, right. And <laughs> man, I was weeping for this company. They do like, they do like four reviews. A year. Yes. They're just always, they're just always being reviewed. And so these yep. are individuals who are in like product design, product development, market research. And, and I think there was one or two other departments, but, but departments, let's say that require a lot of creativity where it's not just um, how could I, put this it's not just you know get the square bricks into the square holes but it's like okay how do we think about different ways of like uh packaging communicating uh getting information uh so they're regularly regularly being sourced for their feedback so they coupled that with also a a lab uh a lab study as well uh but yeah i'll I'll hand over to yourself dan uh do you want to give us some context as to the uh we'll start with the field I want to say what I'm really proud of them for doing. Um, I mean, I'm deeply impressed, actually, to go into a naturally occurring environment and then do one of these experiments is not easy. And it really has a lot of what's called external validity, meaning it's in the real world. It's not just in some psych lab. It's real world employees doing real world things. But then it has its experimental controls so you can infer some validity. They randomly assigned people to one of these three conditions Like, so it was bottom up, top down or lateral. And by assigning them to one of those, depending on like what month they did it, that's pretty impressive, I have to say, right off the bat. Second, I'm really impressed with the fact that then creativity was measured by their bosses two months later. So kind of like after the study was done and the ratings were done and all that, they waited two months and then they said to a whole different people who has the ability to evaluate them, how does each of these employees doing on their creativity? And you put those two things together and it's a fairly strong design. And I'll just, I'll jump to the 
chase real Let's quick. Do it. And then, yeah. Yeah. It's just that they basically were able to establish with this pretty sweet set of um, 225 employees, just about half of them women. Um, let's see, average age, 33 years, 32, 33 years, worked there for about six and a half years. So like a good solid sample of people, they were in fact able to establish just what they kind of cracked. They, they basically were able to show that how the negative feedback improved or hurt real employees' creativity had everything to do with whether it was top down, in which case it hurt, or bottom up, in which case it helped. And it worked through task processes and meta processes. I don't know if you wanted to say that in sort of more normal language when I said it worked through those processes. Do you want to, do you want to say what they found there? Do you want me to keep going? I'll let, I'll let you keep going. Um, okay. Yep. Uh, so basically when the bosses were told by the lower level employees, Hey, um, you know, your creativity is not as good as it could be. What the bosses did is kind of worked harder in terms of these tasks. Like they thought harder about how, um, Let's see, here are some of the things. How I conduct my task. It helped me think about my creativity strategies. Um, it, it made me look for ways that I can improve my task performance. So like the managers having a lot of power, they were able to like take it in stride and then up their game essentially. When the employees got that top-down negative information, they got kind of threatened emotionally. So like they became more worried about how they present themselves to their bosses this feedback made me more self-conscious in the way that I look to their bosses for help. So essentially, the direction of the feedback changed which one of these processes kicked in. And when it went negative meta processes, it hurt creativity. When it went task process, it actually helped creativity. Yeah. And I want to just jump in just there as well. and Because they offered some insight into, I guess, additional pressures which nudge people towards these meta processes so additional pressures which cause people to be uh, a bit, i guess a bit more conscious about themselves as opposed to the task and i say this because there was a word which popped up or a phrase and i was a bit like oh snap but it was social distance yeah and i like so i saw social distance and of course like a shiver ran down my spine because i was a bit like damn it man will this yes, yes. <laughs> just so much social me everywhere right <laughs> And I found this to be really interesting because it seems that what happens is if we think of like an organization, like a, a pyramid, uh, not the scheme, uh, but I guess in some senses, kind of is. <laughs> a lot of employment is <laughs> a pyramid scheme. But uh, this idea of, so the higher you, uh, the higher you are able to climb up uh, an organization chart, the higher you are within an organization, what happens is at the at the base level your your interest is on community and on possibly like fitting in and the value of socializing um, and it seems that what happens is as you ascend your you seem to be drifting more towards goals it's like what have i achieved like what you know what stats are there that kind of like back up the work that i do and this seems to be very beneficial in the sense of because what they looked at as well is this, the pressure that comes from like peers. So it's not just like kind of like uh, top down and bottom up, but also like at peer level as well. And so it seems to be that what's happening is the fewer peers you have and also the fewer people in which you must impress 
in order to gain resources and, and clout and influence, so to say, it seems to be that that pressure now is just kind of like slowly, bit by bit, coming off of you. Like you're not going into work especially to make friends or to kind of like buddy up or you might not necessarily need to have to work in teams as much. So that pressure starts coming off. And I believe that what it's doing is it's freeing up the mental space to then be able to put more of your efforts in that task processing. Um, but yeah, that was like kind of like they, they, they hinted towards that. It wasn't heavily what a lot of this was about, but it seemed to be an additional factor. And I guess for the listeners, I, there might be like a benefit to that as well. Just having this awareness of if you are managing individuals, what is their priorities at the moment? But then also for yourself, it might be a case of, oh, a lot of this feedback, I'm able to, you know, make it more task-based because perhaps there isn't that pressure socially. But then also, if you are feeling the pressure socially, this might explain why you're entering this meta-process yes, state right. more than yep. you. You might just be a bit like, I never cared about what everyone thought about me. Yes. But it might be, oh, no, there's more eyes on me and more of those eyes actually actually matter. Yeah, good. Good, good, good. Uh, so, so, yeah, I wanted to like, just chuck back to yourself, Dan, as well, because there was, there was also the, the lab experiment. And this yeah. was, I guess, because there were certain things that they wanted to kind of like iron out. Uh, part of it seemed to be about subjectivity in the sense of someone could tell me, like they could mark me like, you know, uh, seven out of 10. And I might be like, oh my God, amazing. Because the last quarter I was a four. So it's like, yes, whereas yes. someone else could be like seven out of 10 and then they'll be weeping. I'm a like, failure. Oh <laughs> So yeah, Dan, if you want to uh, lay out yes. a bit about the, the lab side as well, before yes. we uh, kind of like hit some, uh, some final words and implications slash opportunities. Yay! Well, what I'll do is I'll highlight what they did in the lab and I'll highlight why it's so powerful. So when you do these field experiments, it's great because you're in the real world. That means that it acts generalizable to the real world. Um, but you don't always have maximum control. You don't always really know what happened. And Akin brought up the most important thing is people themselves, the employees themselves reported how negative the feedback was. And that's so subjective. So what they did is they went into a lab and this is a large North American university, but they got about 356 undergrads to come in and do a sort of an experiment where they put them into these different categories like you could be a recipient of the information as an employee, or you could be a recipient of the feedback, the negative feedback as a boss or as a peer. So they basically recreated the conditions that they tested in the field, but now they did it in a lab where the negative feedback was identical and it was negative for sure or neutral for sure. And I could go into that a lot more. If I was a listener, I'm not sure how much of this I would really need to hear. Um, if you're so keen, you know, you might dig in there because I'm, as a, as a research scholar, I'm really, really impressed with what they did. Um, they essentially created real power dynamics where if you were assigned to be, let's say, an employee with no power, what they then did is they gave your boss all this control over how much reward you got, basically, like whether or not you're going to get some bonus. And then if they were going to flip that, then they flip the reward as well. So like if you were in a condition where now you're the boss and the employee is going to give you all the feedback, they made it so that the employee had all the power to give or not give this, this sort of bonus. And the bonus was quite significant as well. Like yeah, it was I'm, just, I'm just going to throw it in just to yeah. kind of, because 
I feel like in the study, the bonus was significant. So there was a lottery where you had the potential of winning. I believe it was a hundred dollars worth it of was. Amazon vouchers, yeah. which the, this idea of potentially winning a hundred dollars <laughs> is really exciting because the yeah. other thing that I've noticed and it's quite relevant to this idea of especially peer to peer uh, feedback is what I've seen uh, a number of organizations do is this idea of like grading individuals on a curve. So it could be a case of saying, you know, there's, there's actual, you know, there's, there's, there'll be like actual budgets for like headcount. So it's a bit like, well, if everyone's operating at a 10 out of 10 level, we can't give everyone a 10 out of 10 pay rise. But what we can do is start to create a bit of a, um, a curve there. So let's say a company has the potential of, let's say there's 10 employees. It's like, realistically, we could probably give four of them the big pay rise. So then you start creating incentives, which I believe this is where a lot of this kind of like competition and rivalry comes from between employees because they're a bit aware that, no, it's not just about the job that I do. It's about the job that I do in comparison to the job that people on a similar level to me are also doing as well. So I found that they, they made the... The, uh, the reward here in the, the lab study, something that was quite significant in the sense yep. of like a hundred bucks, but knowing, hey, not everybody's going to get this. Yep, that's right. And there's one last thing that I want to give them a lot of credit for. I want to kind of celebrate them a little bit, which is for the actual task, they had people read a business case and then actually provi- provide creative ideas on how that case could have done better. And then they had the, the sort of negative feedback come in and then they had to do it again. And then they used the actual ideas, the creative ideas that were generated by these participants. They used those as the dependent variable. And what's so cool is they got people who were trained to evaluate the extent to which those ideas were creative, completely separate people who had no idea that what the study was even doing. So, you know, without going into that a lot more, it means that the internal validity, like the meaning, the ability to interpret causality is very, very high. And what they did is they totally replicated what they found in the field. And I mean, like they literally replicated such that the only place that it helped to give negative feedback about creativity is when it came from the lower level and it went up. If it was peer to peer, it hurt. And if it was top down from boss to employee, it hurt. And by replicating that twice, once in the field, once in the lab, I'm really impressed. I, you know, I give them like two big thumbs up for the work nice. that they put into that. <laughs> that sounds like a bit of a, uh, a Paul Hollywood handshake, which is yeah. probably a bit of a throwback reference for people who are fans of the Great British Bake Off. And for, for those of us who aren't, uh, any, any kind of like closing, uh, any closing, uh, I guess, uh, implications, what yeah. opportunities there are when we yeah. take this off of the research paper and start looking at our lives not just in the office, but, you know, wholly. Is there anything that you think would be like a great takeaway for listeners to consider? There's something really meaningful for me, and I try to incorporate this into my teaching. I think that it makes logical sense to really highlight people's limitations and weaknesses in order to help them grow. And I, I know that parents think that. I know that leaders think that about their workers. I think leaders think that about themselves. It's really bash into where we're bad. What I think we often forget is the chemistry in our brains, the biology of threat. It, it doesn't matter if that's a good logical idea. 
to the extent that that threatens people and it shuts down their ability to process information and be creative and try new things and innovate, to the extent it shuts that down, you will lose. Even though it seems right that like, you want to tell them and point out where they're weak, you won't get them to be stronger that way. And I think that, boy, for me, that is just such a strong message to parents, to leaders, to all of us that are just trying to improve. Do not flatten yourself with negativity. That's the bottom line there. Super. Matt, that is such a great note for us to kind of like roll out on. Uh, listeners, thanks for rocking with us once again. Uh, if, this, if this is your first time, what's up? I hope you're subscribed. <laughs> and if you've come back, like, welcome back, man. Dan and I are loving rocking with these papers and putting these together. If you are on iTunes, if you could drop us a shiny five-star review, that would be delightful. If you're thinking of giving us anything else, that's any lower. Like, I, I'm, I'm sure there's ways that I can find you. Um, so, like, negative feedback. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it makes me less creative. <laughs> Oh, good. Goodbye, everyone. Ciao. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your lives. Ciao.